Well, you know, it's been such a long time uh, since we last talked. We had to split the podcast into two, so you're welcome. You're getting two podcasts this week. This is part two of the Bloom Night Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond, joined alongside Robert Stee, Anthony Vito, and Nick Simon. Let's uh, let's kind of dig into it, and we'll go from there, and, and we'll we'll continue discussing things. But let's let's. Keep plugging along, guys. We got a lot to cover. Uh, soccer. It's soccer season. Men's soccer really faded down the stretch. Um, it seemed like they had turned the corner, and then then they didn't. They lost their last four games of the season and didn't look too great doing it. They scored three goals over the last four games, gave up uh, seven, lost two double overtime games at home, uh, one to UCF, one to Memphis, and then a spot in the conference tournament on the line at Tulsa on Friday. They lost one nothing late. Yeah. So it's tough to be too harsh on them because, I mean, they lost, what, three? They lost three key contributors, Flanagan, Bill Hart, and Jamie Brown. I mean, and they were key cogs to the entire team. So, was it Flanagan signed his contract with FC Cincinnati, right? That was yep. He signed like last week. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, it, he's very good. Losing those three guys is tough to kind of replace. Learning, learning year. Uh, you know, it's a weird. You know, for soccer at least, it's weird uh, for men and women's soccer. Only four teams are going to the conference tournament this year due to. COVID-related issues. Um, so only four four made it, so it's just semifinals and finals. USF, I think, finished three points back of, of the fourth slot there. And the fourth seed is SMU, who was top five early in the year. That losing streak started. They were up 2-1 against SMU in Dallas and then gave up three goals in the second half, and they just haven't really turned it around since. I mean, that UCF loss was really rough at home. I mean, they they were down a man on a red card that was really ticky tacky. Like, oh God, yeah, really ticky tacky, and they just ran out of steam. And that was pretty much the same case in the Memphis game and then the Tulsa game. But it, it Steve could talk more about this. Uh, but they're young. Most of their major contributors were all underclassmen. So I, I mean, Bob Butehorn has built something. This year was just a very strange one. And again, right. spring soccer is very strange for everybody. Yeah, they, they will be very, very, very good this upcoming fall. Bob Butehorn has put together a, a very star-studded class of young contributors. I, I had a lot of worries coming into the season because there was a lot of unknowns across the board, but they got two very unlikely contributors. Ironically, both were, I'll say both of them are, are Japanese players who are very unconventional in the, I guess, American soccer system, to say the least. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find much about Japanese soccer players playing in the United States and uh, Shion Soga and I have to find his last name, Kazuna Takase. Both of them just were unreal this season and, and put up phenomenal statistics across the board. Shizun uh, Takase was kind of hot and cold throughout the entire season. He gave up seven goals to SMU, which isn't great. And then the next week pitched a shutout and saved uh, 11 shots uh, against, I think, UCF. So, like, he, consistency and goal, and they'll probably be the top team in the conference this upcoming fall. They That's that's basically their, their biggest downfall was the lack of consistency in net for them. So, 
I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with them winning four games this year. I thought that they would not win a single one to be quite honest. Oh Lord. Okay. So, I mean, losing three of your best players like that and having six freshmen start. And I mean, SMU was ranked like number three coming into the season. They had to play them twice. UCF has an, like a pretty good offense. You know, that's, that's not great to play them twice. And then Memphis, who's surprisingly sneakily good at soccer, you know, playing in five, it didn't look good. So I'm pleased with the fact that they, they, they got some good wins under the belt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the flip side, women's soccer continues to hum. Uh, they finished the season undefeated, seven wins, no losses, two draws. Coach Denise Shilty Brown is one of the best coaches in the country, if we're being honest. And with that Florida job uh, open, uh, it's something that we need to keep an eye on after the season. I, I, I said it. I said it when the Florida head coach announced that she was retiring at the end of the year. And then it just kind of cemented after they drew with Florida back in February. This is something we really, really need to watch out for because it, it could be something here, folks. Because, you know, women soccer coach at USF does not make much money if, if you hadn't guessed. And you now we've got Evelyn Vienne, but, you know, they got like Abby Wambach. So it's like, oh, it's really hard to. The, the history of Florida soccer, women's soccer, is is pretty great. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. It's going to suck uh, if it does happen. But for now, they're the one seed in the AAC tournament, and they opened on Thursday versus ECU. They're hosting because they won the regular season title. Just another title for uh, Coach Denise Schilton-Brown. Good for them, good for the staff. And just a lot of contributors kind of across the board this year, it was going to be interesting to see how things kind of played out without Evelyn kind of being the go-to person. Uh, they scored 17 goals in nine games. Eight different players scored a goal. So it wasn't just all, you know, sitting in a cello, she, which she had four goals, five assists to lead the team in both categories. Uh, they opened the year uh, with six straight shutouts. <laughs> Which is, uh, that includes Florida, because they ended in a 0-0 tie. Mm-hmm. But uh, six straight shutouts. It, 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 the first goal they gave up was in the seventh game against UCF. And the game against Cincinnati, they gave up one goal. They haven't given up more than one goal all season. And they also had the most shots against them in their second tie of the year. Perfect, undefeated at home. They haven't had any losses. That's insane. Like I tried to look back and see, has any team gone undefeated in conference in any sport? And I, you know, I'm a one man research team at this point, And I'm also <laughs> looking at the, I could not find one. This has been an insane streak. Like I, I right. cannot believe. And the fact that they tied Cincinnati was also kind of insane, but uh, the, this team just it, it plays ridiculous defense and uh, can score when they need to. And it's it's been a pleasure to watch, and it's been really interesting to see how they do. Uh, this is the fourth year that they've won some semblance of the conference title. They've had two regular season titles in there and two conference championships, uh, conference tournament championships in there as well. They get ECU on Thursday and then the finals on Saturday at home. So it'll be interesting to see if they can also do that and what they do in the tournament. But women's soccer, obviously up there with women's basketball for best possible team on campus, but yep. it's been, it's been a crazy year for them. That's kudos. I, yeah, I, I, I'd be really shocked if <laughs> Sydney Martinez didn't win goalkeeper, the conference goalkeeper of the year, like allowed four goals, 
six straight shutouts to start the year. And it seemed like she just kind of kept getting better and better toward, you know, shutting out Florida. It's a hell of a feat. And and the funny thing is sometimes her stat line would be like one save because they just weren't getting shots on goal. uh, Right. Right. And man, kudos to her. It's been a lot of fun seeing, seeing this team progress and seeing how they just didn't skip a beat with Evelyn gone. And like that, I mean, Evelyn will go down as probably the most prolific women's athlete in USF history. Like her, I don't think her numbers will ever be touched by anyone for quite a long time. And to see them just not miss a beat and just keep chugging along like nothing's nothing happened is pretty, pretty damn impressive. So kudos to them again, Thursday, apparently the time is still TBD according to go USF. Founded, by the way, the last time a USF athletics team went undefeated and conference play was in 2008 when the men's tennis team went three and oh and won the big East. Ah, down it. Sports and reference over here. There you go. Yeah. They, uh, what a, I'm, I'm looking through that year and it's a, it's a very strange, I mean, I don't know what the scheduling was. Um, we didn't play our first conference opponent until the conference tournament. <laughs> like, I, they just played like a regular season of just a hodgepodge people. And then they played the conference. Classic tennis scheduling. Yeah. Is tennis considered a team sport? Like, I feel like it should uh, be. It because, is because of the way that they count the, um, the, the sets or not the sets, the, uh, the matches and everything. It is technically a team sport because they do doubles points. So quickly here, uh, Thursday, USF faces number four, East Carolina at 7 PM on ESPN plus. And the championship game is on Saturday, April 17th at 2 PM Eastern also on ESPN plus. So, I mean, we tried to tell you guys to get ESPN plus before the season started and it's really coming to fruition. I know a lot of folks, Outside of, you know, the American made fun of ESPN plus, but I'll tell you what, man, it's been, it's been really nice watching a lot of these games just on ESPN plus and seeing everything, you know, commentators aside for football and, and women's basketball sometimes, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Tyler McConnell's been great on soccer. Oh my uh, goodness. Honor. Shout out to Tyler. He is incredible at soccer. I could not, I didn't recognize his voice at first. Same. And I, the minute I found that out, I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, it's been really great with ESPN Plus to just watch any of the sports, just if they're on baseball, softball, volleyball at times. I, I, I think it's very, very much worth the $6 a month. And I like it because it's under the same umbrella with an app that works. I, I, I personally think it's a steal. It's been fantastic. I wish, I wish more things were on Plus. Like, it'd be great to like, I don't know if they could even do it. Like have like weekly shows on plus like for various teams that are like school produced. That'd be, that'd be neat. Like to have like a weekly show or have like the coaches shows on, on shown on plus because I mean, does anyone actually ever listen to the radio shows? I'll be honest. Only if I'm driving. I I don't have our iHeart downloaded. I think the app is ridiculously dumb. So I don't have it, but it'd be really nice to have, you know, a, a simulcast or something on plus. So just thought, yeah, let's, let's keep chugging along. God, spring season. I think there's like 12 sports going on. Um, let's see what's next. Baseball, softball. softball? Let's talk softball. about baseball. Yeah. That ball sports. Baseball had a, uh, 
four game series versus Tulane wiped out due to COVID protocols within the USF's team can safely report. I wasn't a player, just kind of close contact within the program kind of halted things unclear if the game will get those games will get made up who pretty short notice. I don't, I doubt they will be able to make those games up, go from there. I believe they play UCF this weekend. Mm-hmm. They're scheduled to play UCF this weekend and four game series. They split the first two games, their first four with UCF two weekends ago. So we'll see their, their pitching still pretty bad. They got Jack JCAC and that's, that's it for right now. Colin Sullivan did have that gem against UCF uh, where he threw eight and two thirds, struck out, I think 10. So that was nice to see the bats are slowly coming alive. Drew Brutcher is kind of in a lull after his hot start. So hopefully he gets out of his head and then I know he sat a couple games. So hopefully things, uh, right. Things get righted for him. The recruiting has been there. The underclassmen have all been the contributors, the major contributors this year. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of putting it all together. But I mean, Drew Brutcher is one of them. Guys like Daniel Cantu is a redshirt freshman. Uh, one of the better relief pitchers, Orion Kirkering, is a redshirt freshman. They just have guys that are mostly underclassmen, so just kind of figuring it out on a week-to-week basis. They, I mean, they swept Stetson, who was previously undefeated, and then they haven't won a game against FGCU in two different series. They're very Jekyll Hyde, but they have some guys. It'll be interesting to see what the rest of the season holds. Again, th- this year is just one of those, how how did COVID play in and a lot of, you know, off-season work and getting these guys ready. But, I mean, infielders, Nick Gonzalez, Carmine Lane's a utility guy who's kind of all over the place. Roberto Pena has been uh, slugging when he can. Julio Cortez, all these guys are sophomores or younger. So there's guys yeah. there. And you know, through 26 games, I think it's about the same amount of games that they had played last year before the stoppage, or maybe a few more. Uh, they're hitting like 80 points better than they did last year. Mm. Uh, so Carmine Lane's hitting 354, three homers, 16 RBIs. Matt Ruiz, 311. Drew Brutcher, 302 with seven homers, 14 ribbies. Riley Hogan's hit some tower shots. He's hitting 260 uh, with four homers, 17 ribbies. Seven guys have at least 10 or more RBIs. Roberto Pena leads the team with 23. They're drawing walks, which is nice. They've drawn 101 walks. The thing that's really kind of eaten them alive is fielding. Compared to their first, their full 2019 season, they've already given up more unearned runs than they did in 2019. That's been a real issue it's almost 40 runs given up already via the unearned variety due to errors that really has kind of cost them early on this year i think i think in either the first or second game against ucf that they had won ucs runs were unearned and i think they had taken the lead due to it has caused some issues and then the pitching hasn't been there quite yet so hopefully they'll figure it out They've got some meat left on on that bone to to pick, that's for sure. But figure out the pitching and the defense and the bats will still be there, I think. It's going to be tough for them to, um, you know, coming off of a COVID stoppage, going on the road for back-to-back series. So 
we'll like we'll see if they can string together a few wins in these next series. You know, they go on the road to UCF, they go on the road to Houston right after that. If they can, you know, at least split like half of those games, that may be like a major confidence boost for a young team. Right. One of the good things is there's no midweek games the rest of the season. Sometimes that kind of messes up your your rotation your situation, um, your routine rather. Uh, it'll be interesting. It's a, it, it's good to see the recruiting's there. There's guys there, and there's guys that are performing. It's uh, like I said, the errors are killing them in the fielding. Um, so if they can clean that up, they're two and two in conference. So that regular seat, that overall record doesn't need to matter if you can come alive the rest of these and you don't play ECU until the final weekend of the year. So you don't have to worry about playing against the top 15 team until then. So. All right. I mean, I won't say you can pad your stats, but I mean, you can get eight wins from between Memphis and Cincinnati. If you do the things right. Because historically those two teams are just piss poor baseball. So Lord willing, but finishing the season at Wichita state and then welcoming East Carolina's, tough to say the least so they they gotta they gotta stack wins early it's gonna be tough it's a it's always a hard baseball conference you know got a little easier with UConn leaving because uh, I think the best coach in the conference left and Jim Penders but they're still really good still really good conference which shall stay you know even UCF who's kind of struggled there they're still usually good Tulane's usually good Man, no respect for tough guy uh, Cliff Godwin, eh? I can't stand him. I don't think. I, I honestly, God, I don't think there's a single coach in the conference that likes him. I, it's it's brutal. Yeah. Let's let's flip it over to, to softball, who've been quietly dominating uh, since that exhibition in early March uh, with uh, Team USA. And oh God, and Georgina Cork, <laughs> fucking animal. I think she went like 65 straight innings without her giving up an earned run. She is just insane. And I mean, lost to UF this past week aside, she's just, every time she pitches, it's, it's a gem. She's, she's uh, 12 and four on the year. And those four pretty much coming to uh, essentially UF and Arizona, probably Arizona. Yeah. She's got 10 more or 10 games with 10 or more strikeouts this season. It's just incredible to watch her pitch. She just makes everybody else in the conference, their offense just look completely undone. And you can even tell the rest when they play a series, when the other pitchers start, it's a very different ball game. And then when court comes back in for the, the final game of the series, she then shuts them down again. It's just, it's insane. She's probably, I don't know, one of the, one of the best pitchers in the USF softball history. So it's that one person who's basically doubled all of her records. Yeah, the the goat. I mean, it's Sarah Nevins, and then every everyone's you know chasing for second. But uh, I was on I was on Cork early, and Colin made fun of me about it, and he made fun of Great Britain softball. And I told him, "This is the dude. This is going to be the ace in the future." Didn't believe me, and I was by God, I was right. They just it's. A, been a theme over the last couple of years that USF hasn't found that second starter um, that you kind of need. So, you know, things don't get too out of hand when, when your ace can't go. So comparing Georgina has started 17 games and has thrown 13 complete games. Uh, Vivian Pond has started six. I have one complete game. Cameron Dolby has started five games, no complete games. And Vivian Pond, you could, 
triple Quirk's ERA to get to Ponds, and then you could quadruple, actually quintuple Quirk's uh, ERA to get to Cameron Dolby's. It's they they've got to find someone, and you know three four three ERA for Vivian Pond. You know, like in baseball, is like really good, but you can't have a three four three ERA in softball. Like it's just that's not good, and they got to get it together. They got to find someone. It's it's been Coach Erickson's bugaboo over the last few years trying to find someone to pair with Cork to to kind of shut things down when she can't go. Bulls are nineteen and ten, nine and two in the conference. He, I think he's sitting on nine hundred ninety four career wins. Yeah, we're starting to see the uh, 1,000 win watch. Uh, they get FGCU and non-conference play this weekend for three games and then close out with uh, at Wichita State for four versus ECU for four. And then they go to Oviedo to face uh, UCF, who is also very good. That that might decide the conference. Yep, and then the, the conference tournaments next month, uh, May 13th to the 15th uh, in Tulsa. So we'll see what happens there. Hopefully, you know, USF can just kind of hang out and uh, stay in Oklahoma after the conference tournament and just, you know, head to, was it Norman? I think that's where they play. I, you know, I, I honestly don't know if they're going to do regionals like they typically do. They may do it like how basketball was all in one spot. I'll have to, oh, it's Oklahoma City. That's where they would go. Mm. That's where they call it, the Women's College World Series is. Um, it was, it used to be played in Norman. Hey. I remember. Yeah, they, they're going to, I'm sure something's going to happen where they, they kind of just bubble everyone and kind of go from there. So we'll see. Yeah. Fun, fun stuff. I, you know, having a true freshman uh, hit a, hit a walk-off homer uh, over the weekend. It's a lot of fun. Um, let me make sure I get her name right. Josie Foreman. There it is. And minutes before the monsoon hit. <laughs> Seriously. So. This is a little generous. It was like seconds. Like I think <laughs> she had a, so she, they made fun of her on Twitter. Like all of her teammates were roasting her on Twitter because how fast she sprinted around the bases. But good thing she did because if I mean if she la- if she you know jogged that for half a second, I don't think I think they would have called the game before she hit home. They, <laughs> they would have called well, it. Then hit home it doesn't count. Nah, it's just uh, a double. Sorry. Uh, I'm just always enamored at softball pitchers because uh, I mean Corrick and the Tulsa starter pitched that the second game on Saturday, it got called in the fifth and they came back and pitched and they both pitched the distance on Sunday morning. And it's just, it, it amazes me at uh, the endurance of uh, softball pitchers that they can be able to go five innings one night and then come back and pitch the remainder of the game in extras the next yeah. morning. Uh, I always think like it's true. Like the, what, I mean, we get it because she was Sarah Evans, but the the crap that she had to put up with in 2012, I God, I I'm no idea how her arm didn't fall off. Pitching double headers, pitching you right. know, multiple double headers in like tournament series, it's insane. Yeah, so you know, still very good at softball. Got off to a slow start, and I think they just kind of figured it out after uh, after that Team USA exhibition. They had won the two games prior against New Mexico State. But they were kind of struggling, and then they just ripped off what ten rent, ten in a row or something like that, mm-hmm. and kind of righted the ship. Uh, that seems to be the the case with softball over the last couple of years. They just figured it out. 
it's it's classic Coach Ken. It it always seems it like, really oh, is. are we going to have to worry about this season? What's going on in the beginning when they you know play a lot of tough teams? I mean, there's been some tournaments where they you know play early on. They play Michigan and Florida, you know, top five teams, and they just always kind of figure it out in conference play. And hopefully, they can keep it going this weekend against FGCU and then Wichita State, who's currently in first place in the conference. Kenny yeah. will figure it out. That's what we always say. That's it, man. Let's get to uh, some other stick and ball sports, uh, men's and women's golf. Good transition. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, some men's golfs. They've played in a lot of tough competitions this, this year. They haven't finished higher than fifth in any of their uh, competitions. Um, but it's like Alvin Bergstrom and kind of everyone else. They were, it was tough. I think the conditions, this their previous event, their last event at the Augusta, Haskins Invitational was kind of insane for most folks. I think, like, I think like only two or three teams actually finished under par. They'll figure it out. That's also a, you know, team I don't worry about much. A run, Uprayong uh, led, led the team with, uh, I think he was one under, which was tied for 25th individually. And they, they shot an even par for the tournament to kind of go about it. Pretty loaded field. Uh, number three, Oklahoma. Number 17, Pepperdine, were kind of ran away from everything. They've got one more tournament before the the AAC championship being held in Brooksville at the Old Service Host as the Thunderbird Collegiate in Phoenix, Arizona. I believe NCAA, the tournament is actually going to be out in Arizona. So I think that's why Coach Bradley scheduled, scheduled this tournament to kind of get the feel for Arizona and how, you know, balls play there and in the heat compared to uh, here and everywhere else. So hopefully there's a good showing there so they can kind of figure it out from, from there. But I mean, they're still what 24th in the country. They're still a really good, really good golf program. You know, Springer rings is, is a real thing here folks. And I think they could do some damage. I know SMU is really good. UCF's really good. I think, I think SMU had a guy, Playing the Masters over the weekend um, as one of the amateurs, so decent, decent program. They got an influx of money uh, like two years ago, and you're kind of starting to see the the fruits of of that labor via SMU. So we'll see. Home of Bryson DeChambeau. That sounds about right. SMU sending some of these rich kids, rich golfers <laughs> to the Masters, producing, just cranking them out. Yeah. You know, also kudos to the the program to where, you know, you're not finishing great, but you're competing against really good talent and still being ranked. I think Steve Bradley's really built a really solid infrastructure here. And again, a lot of these guys are underclassmen who are competing outside of uh, Flex Center. Everyone else is mostly freshmen and sophomores. So a good influx of talent here. Yep. He, he's got that innate skill for for the women. It's been kind of up and down. Their best finish was fourth in that first tournament back in February and haven't kind of put it together as of late. I mean, they this tournament that they last played uh, April 6th, it was just like the conditions were absolutely just brutal. No one, <laughs> a UCF won this tournament. They were 28 over par. That's not good. <laughs> no. And, like Better than us, but, you know, not good. <laughs> Yeah, like it was like brutal. Like, and they ran away from it. Like, second Mercer was 20 strokes behind them. Like, it was just an absolute brutal, brutal day. 
I will say uh, Shelby Brock, Brock Mueller, she parred uh, the final round. Or she, excuse me, she shot a two under 70 to kind of vault up the leaderboard there and kind of steady the ship. Her first two rounds were awful. Uh, she shot 75 round one and then 81 round two and then fired up a, a 72 under to finish uh, 10th individually. Like it was just a, a brutal, brutal God tournament. Melanie Green, who's a kind of the freshman stutter and Erica Smith, like they were rough 80, 80, 75, 85 for, for Green and then 81, 81, 82 for, for Smith. Uh, it's, it's been it was a tough go, but to say the least, the conditions were not great. There's still, again, the, the uprising continues. It's still definitely headed in the right direction. Uh, the coaching staff's not in trouble with anyone, not doing anything inappropriate, which is nice. Nice change for the women's program. So the the next tournament is uh, at Pinehurst uh, Resort Country Club in North Carolina, the AAC Conference Championship. So that's uh, this coming Sunday through Tuesday. So hopefully, you know, good showing there. And we'll go from there. Let's rapid fire tennis. Uh, women's the tennis got day. swept, like absolutely swept by UCF over the weekend. Uh, 7-0 in matches. Uh, they only won one set through all of them. Just just, just forget about it. Move on to the next week. <laughs> That's we're, all I got to say about we're that. We're on to next week. Um, <laughs> they, they will play uh, Tulsa this Saturday, and that will wrap up their regular season play. Uh, Tulsa is the 45th ranked team in the country. Uh, USF is currently 7-13 and 13, uh, on the year. <sighs> just, the men's tennis dynasty is over, I'm sad to say. I don't know about that. I don't think they're going to win the conference tournament this year. I mean, they were brutal like two years ago and took – Tulane to, I mean, it was down to the last court for the championship. Like they were, it was rough and they, they kind of turned it on. You never know. Ashley Fisher's kind of got a, a thing going there. That's for sure. Um, they did win their last over the weekend. They beat FAU 4-1 and then their Sunday match against Wichita State was obviously canceled due to that torrential thunderstorm that we had in, in the Bay Area. But the previous, they had lost the previous four including the last three, uh, losing 4-3 to Middle Tennessee, Tulane, and, and UCF as well. They close out this Friday versus Memphis, and then on Sunday versus Tulsa. So just keep plugging along. I think this might be the... No, I was going to say this might be the first time that a team not named USF won the men's tournament, but then you're right. Yeah, they lost that uh, 2017 against, yeah. Tulsa, against Tulane, I should say. Shame. It'll be all right. They'll... It'll be perfectly fine. It's uh, we'll say it's a pretty junior senior heavy team. I think what Jacob Wojcik is a senior, Pierre Lequet is a senior, and then they've got like four or five juniors that kind of start cycling. So Chase Ferguson's a junior, luckily. So it'll uh, still be pretty decent. I want to plug the Chase Ferguson glow up, by the way, and I'm going to plug this for the rest of my life. Go to the historical picture of Chase Ferguson on the website. And look at his sophomore picture and look at his junior picture because you couldn't tell me that it's the same man. But boy, <laughs> did he get handsome. Yeah, there's no way. How is that the same guy? <laughs> it's not like he went through puberty in one year, basically. Uh, but yeah. Chase Ferguson is undoubtedly one of their better players. And uh, yes. he is also from Australia, which we are stands of Australians uh, enrolled in USF Athletics here at the Daily Stampede. Or at least Steve and I are. <laughs> We love our Aussies. All the Aussies. All of them. 
Also, raw raw update. No, no, almost tonight at all. You're, no, not at all. Like they're already to the main event. We haven't had him or AJ Styles on the show. No match backstage. Like you're, it, it's the first night. They're the new champions. You're like literally in the home. I, I don't know. That's upsetting. That makes me sad. The Thunderdome looks nice. They they like showed a couple of um scenes of like the little like the backstage hallways and stuff. I saw a few uh iconic U logos and everything like that. So we'll, we'll, yeah. see, we'll see how they continue to incorporate the good old Yingling Center as we move on with this. I just want them to, to do one one shot, just one shot at the CBI championship banner. <laughs> if they Please. show the banner, that'd be awesome. Oof. Yeah, I think that's it. I think we've covered everything that we've kind of missed. Let's do this a little bit more often. How about it? So we I don't like have it. to talk for like four hours. Cover everything. I'm in. I'm in. So I'm good. In. I'm in. All right. Well, we've, we've covered everything. Anything pops off uh, after we finish uh, recording, that's the nature of the beast. And we'll we'll cover it as, as it comes up. Thank you for listening to the Balloon Night Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Glad to be back, and we'll be uh, doing this uh, more regularly now that there's uh, some championships on the line in various sports. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. That was actually excellent. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we're just sweet, dulcet tones that Nate lays down. One take.